We soldier on, however. Uh, we are one, one more Sunday looking at the subject of spiritual gifts. And I, I guess last Sunday's message was uh, quite effective because there were a lot of volunteer sign-ups after last Sunday, which is great. Hey, who knows? Maybe we get it one more time this week. We'll see. Now, I'm not going to spend time recapping uh, last Sunday's message. As, as, as I said then, and some of you have expressed to me since then, it was extremely content-heavy. And so to do a recap would take up most of the time we have for another uh, message this morning. So if you want to go back and and re-look at that or re-listen to it, of course, you can do that online. We're going to get right into our text this morning, except I will say this by way of introduction. This text is one of the three major texts on the spiritual gifts. So you have 1 Corinthians 12, which we looked at uh, last uh, two weeks ago. Last week, we looked at Romans 12. Now we're looking at Ephesians 4. There's another text, 1 Peter 4, that uh, is, a, is a less well-known list of some spiritual gifts. There's only two listed there. But if you want to keep these passages sort of in your head, and remember, where does the Bible talk about spiritual lists? Just go, uh, spiritual gifts, just go uh, 12, 12, 4, 4. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. 1 Peter 4. There you go. We're looking at first, uh, sorry, Ephesians 4 here, and we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at what the goal of spiritual gifts are, what, or is, what is the goal of using your spiritual gifts? Why do we get them? Second of all, why is that the goal that we're seeking to accomplish? And then thirdly, we'll talk about how do we achieve that goal. So those are the three things. What's the goal how, uh, why is that the goal? How do we achieve that goal? And the first thing is, what are, what, what's the point? What's the goal of using spiritual gifts? What's the point of it all? Well, you might say, hey, last week you told us the point was the building up of the church. But that was the purpose for which you use your spiritual gifts, which is slightly different than the goal of using your spiritual gifts. We said last week that the purpose of you being given spiritual gifts by God was so that you could serve, that you could use those gifts for the building up of the church. And Paul says the same thing in this passage in verse 12, where he says to equip his people for what? Works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Yes, that is the purpose for which you employ or deploy your spiritual gifts. But the goal is a little bit different. Let me keep reading uh, in Ephesians 4. So I read verse 12, and then it says in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul talks about unity in the faith and maturity, unity and maturity. These two things uh, make up the goal for which we use our spiritual gifts. In other words, the goal of you using your spiritual gifts and developing them and, and deploying them in the life of the church is that we would see character change in all of us. Grace Valley Church prior to COVID was quite a busy church, in fact, pretty active in a lot of different ministries. 
And as we sort of climb our way out of this pandemic period and we become a little more active doing a few more things as a church, uh, you know, having services, starting up life groups again, trying to start this uh, boys club and girls club, running uh, the Surviving the Holidays Grief Share this winter, uh, you'll hear more about the... um, Christmas hampers that we do for Dundas Community Services in in the coming weeks as we start to do these things again. We're an active church. We're an involved church. But what's the point of it? It's all for the purpose, Paul says, of attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's about becoming like Jesus. He puts it negatively in verse 14 when he says, then we will no longer be tossed, no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. It's so that we're, we, we don't remain babies, spiritually speaking. We don't remain immature, spiritually speaking. We grow up in Christ. Here's, here's what that means, Okay? It's great to be a busy church and an active church. It's good to have ministries like Sunday worship ministries where we have preaching and we have teaching and we have a wonderful worship where we're led well by our worship teams and have Grace Kids ministry and the nursery ministry for people. It's great to have that. It's great to have grief share. It's great to have a boys club and a girls club. It's great to have life groups and small groups meeting. It's great to have our involvement in things like safe families. It's great to have the tax clinic that we do every year. It's great to have soup and social. Lord willing, that'll come back. These are all great things to do. But what's the measure of knowing whether or not they're worthwhile. Because you can become a super active, busy church that's doing all kinds of stuff and looks really good because it's active and the community knows that you're helping out and you're involved and you're busy and you, you know every night of the week you're doing something important for Jesus. I don't know why you say that in a kind of southern accent, but You're doing something important for Jesus. You're doing something important for Jesus. But here's the measure of whether or not it's worthwhile. Are people becoming like Jesus as a result of that ministry? Are people becoming like Jesus? Are they developing spiritually? Are they starting to look more and more like him? Well, what does Jesus look like? Think, just think for a moment about the moral glory of Jesus. Jesus is hard as a diamond, yet soft as velvet, and as beautiful as both. Jesus is full of love and laughter, but also full of power and courage. He is, on the one hand, he's intimidating, you could say. And yet, he's so approachable. Jesus is the one who is full of truth. What he says is the truth. 
and that truth is unbending and it is unchanging and it matters not how much time flows through the river of time and how much cultures change and society change, societies change and what we think is important, what matters and what is true change. All that is irrelevant to Jesus. He is the truth. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the rock of Gibraltar of truth against which you can slam your waves of change up against and he will not he will not be moved he will not be shaken he is the rock that will never be moved and yet John says he's not just full of truth he's full of grace yes he is true but he is so gentle in his communication of the truth and he is so patient in his waiting upon you to yield yourself to the truth This is the moral glory of your Savior, and that's what you and I are supposed to grow into, to be like that. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? Now, let's think a little bit more about this. Do you notice that Paul, he talks about unity, unity of the faith, right? And he talks about maturity, Verse 13, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That we would be a united body and we would be a mature body. He, he, he puts these things together. And why does that? Why does he do that? Well, he does that because they go together. Because maturity and unity inform one another. They develop one another. They, they, they expand or they, they, they increase together, not separately. You know what the problem with babies is? And maybe you think, there's no problem with babies. Babies are cute and awesome and wonderful. Yeah, but babies are also radically, radically self-absorbed, right? Little kids are incredibly self-centered. Have you ever watched two toddlers play together? I defy you to ever see that actually happen. No, they play in the same space. And if you get up in my space, I'll make sure you get out of my space. And if you have something that I want, if you're playing with a toy, like you don't, I shouldn't say you don't want to be in the nursery right now, but if you went over to the nursery right now, what you would observe is you would would observe people, human beings, little human beings who come in packages that make them super cute and cuddly, but who are radically selfish. They want what they want when they want it. What's growing up? What is maturing? Growing up and maturing is is basically coming to the place where you, you begin to realize you're not the center of the universe that you're part of something bigger than yourself, that you're part of something that that is more important than just satisfying your own needs and making sure you get what you want. See, this is why you can't have unity with others without maturity. There is no unity in the nursery right now. It's chaos, except for the leaders who keep these, 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 these wannabe sons of the universe, you know, S-U-N, sons of the universe, demanding that all the other planets orbit around them. But maturing means when you discover that you're not the center of the universe, that you are a planet and that Jesus is the sun against, around whom you are to orbit and, and order your life. That's how maturity and unity go together. That's what enables unity. You know, um, we had a leadership meeting, leadership team meeting this past week. 
and uh, Jeff led us in devotions. And one of the things that we were talking about was we were talking about how COVID has really decimated some churches and some families, not just in terms of like people not coming to church. That's, that's certainly a result of what has happened to COVID is people have left the church and not returned to church using, frankly, the covered of, cover of safety issues as a way of basically disconnecting them from the life of the church. That, of course, has, has happened. But, but what you hear many, many people talk about are stories of churches that are just shredded by fights over COVID. So much disunity. So many people angry with one another because of their views about vaccines or mandates or uh, um, mask wearing or uh, capacity limits or whatever. People and families are, are arguing with one another and fighting with one another and demanding that, that the other person change their position and, and view, look at this thing the exact same way they do. And, and, and Jeff was just kind of walking us through, where does that come from? And we turned to James chapter 4. And listen to what James chapter 4 says in verses 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You know what James is saying? You're acting like toddlers. That's what's going on here. You assert your will and you demand that other people conform to your will because you think you know how things ought to be. You're so confident and so certain that you know how things ought to be so that when other people don't see things the same way as you, you can't just overlook the difference of opinion. You, you judge them and you re- require that they conform to you. This is pride. And you know, later in that chapter, what James says is, he says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Weep, mourn, wail, repent. See your proud certainty as not a conviction that ought to be celebrated, but a source of pride that ought to be mortified, that ought to be killed. To grow up, you see, to be mature, not a toddler, is to grow in humility where you find your confidence not in your certainty, your knowledge, the fact that you figured things out, the fact that you know better than others. No, you find your confidence in Jesus Christ. Why? Look at verse 16. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. From Him, guys from Him. See, it's as we all look to Christ, okay, that we build unity and support one another and become mature. You know, when, you, when, when an orchestra, I don't know a lot about music, but when an orchestra is getting ready for a concert, they all have to be in tune with one another, right? Otherwise, it sounds terrible. How do you tune an orchestra? 
You don't have the piano hit a note and then have the violin play the note and then after, the, after that, then have the violin play the note and then have the trombone play the note and then after that, have the trombone play the note and have the French horn play the note based upon the trombone. That doesn't work. You'd think it works, but it doesn't work. What has to happen is everybody tunes to the piano or you have a tuning fork, which is even better because then you get the pure tone and you hit the tuning fork and the piano and the violin and the French horn and the trombone, they all tune themselves to the same instrument. That's how you get unity. Well, who's our tuning fork? Who's our tuning fork? Amen, Donna. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is our tuning fork. All of this means that, that the, the deployment, the use of your gifts actually is a means to an end. To make us stable. To make us mature. To make us unified in Christ. Now, why is that the goal? Point two, why is that the goal? Well, if you look at verse 14, it says... Then we will no longer be tossed. Oops, sorry. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Here's Paul's point every Christian starts as a baby, a baby Christian. That doesn't mean you start innocent, it means you start fickle and gullible. Every Christian starts out fickle and gullible because you're like a kid. If you're a Christian, you are born again and so you start as a spiritual baby and you're like an infant or you're like a little child and think about little children, right? Children's playing. You say, okay, uh, it's time for supper. The kid says, no, I want to keep playing. You say to the kid, they're happy as all get out. You say to no, you got to put your toys away. You go over there and you take the toy and you start to put it away and what do they do? Boom! They're on the floor and they're thrashing about and they're having a tantrum because you have crossed their will and they're angry and then you say, well, we're having ice cream after supper and they go, ice cream? And they get up and they happily walk over to the table and they sit down and they're perfectly, perfectly polite. They, on a dime, they're fickle. Well, when you're spiritually immature, you're fickle too. God answered my prayer and he gave me my, what I want and now I'm feeling pretty close to God and I'm loving God and now I have another prayer, prayer and then God says no and now I'm mad and I'm like, does he even love me? Does he even care? Is he even up there? Does he even think my life matters to him? We go up and down just like toddlers. Or maybe you come to church and you listen to a sermon and, and you're convicted by the sermon. You say, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to sign up. I've been hearing about spiritual gifts. I'm going to sign up for all kinds of things. And so you sign up for nursery and you go in there all guns ablaze and excited to participate in it. And some kid pukes on you and another kid bites you. And then there's a lot of wailing and screaming. And after three times of doing that, you're like, well, obviously I'm not gifted for that. And you take your name off the list. This is how we operate when we are immature, you see. But to be mature, to not be an infant, to not be a toddler, let me put it this way. It, it's to be, it's to not be emotional about your faith. Now you're like, what? You're, you stand up there and you yell at us, so you're emotional about your faith. What do you mean emotional about your faith? That, that's not what I mean. You can be emotional. But it means to be able, you know that old saying, God is good all the time and all the time. It's to be able to actually say that and mean it and live out of that 
When life is going well, you say God is good. And when life sucks royally and nothing's going well and everything seems to be going sideways, you still say God is good. It's to be like Job who when his family and his riches and his health were all taken away and he sat in dust and ashes with boils all over him, he said to himself and he said to his friends, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That's spiritual maturity. It's not being gullible. That's how you're tossed about by every circumstance. But it's not just that. It's that, that babies are, 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 sorry, I was, what did I say? Fickle. Now I'm saying gullible. It's not just that you're fickle. It's that you're, you're gullible. You're easily deceived. Little kids are easily deceived. I'm one of those people who loves deceiving little kids. Every time, when we moved to uh, our first church, we were in a manse. Uh, or, a, or a parsonage, and it had, it was the first time we were in a house that had a, like one of those cold cellars. You know, it's this door that if you go through there, it's just full of cobwebs, and it's cold, and dank, and dark, and everything. Told all my kids, Dragon lives there. They all bought it, suckers. They all bought it. Kids are easy to deceive. Kids are gullible. Kids are foolishly trusting. And when you're spiritually immature, you see, you don't see false teaching for what it is because you don't know true teaching well enough. When Paul says cunning and craftiness, he's describing trickery. Now, what's great about a trick is a trick looks real, but it's not real. You know, magic trick? You ever, my sister uh, and her husband on their wedding anniversary, we went to their wedding anniversary party and they had a magician there. And he went around the, the, the crowd doing magic tricks. And it was awesome. Blew my mind. Couldn't believe it. The stuff that he was doing. He was making cards disappear and pulling them out behind your ear and all kinds of stuff like that. And, he, you know, he'd have some card trick and he'd have it folded up and he'd put it in his pocket. And the next thing you know, he goes over to somebody and he literally asks them. He doesn't even do it himself. He asks them, open, pull out that, that card out of your pocket. person's like, what are you talking about? They pull out this card and they unfold it and it's his card in their pocket. Blew my mind. Because he was crafty. And he had cunning. And he was able to make something fake look real. There's all kinds of ways that we fall into that when we are immature. Here's some, here's some things that we think sound biblical but, don't, but aren't. I'm not going to tell you how they're not. This is a great lunch discussion to have. How is what that phrase that sounded biblical actually not biblical? Here's, here's a few of them for you. God helps those who help themselves. I pause a second for anybody who's taken notes. The Bible contains the Word of God. God exists in three forms. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Christians shouldn't judge. All sin is the same in God's eyes. Or how about this one? God will never give you any, any more than you can handle. They all sound good. You may have even said them to yourself or said them to others. 
But when you're a baby, you can't tell true teaching from false teaching. What does it say in verse 15? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. We grow up in our knowledge and we grow up in our understanding and we grow up in our... What does it mean to grow up? It, it doesn't mean to start losing your hair where you want it and start growing hair where you don't want it. That's growing old, not growing up. It's not having the awesome dad body that I sport day in and day out. That's growing old, that's not growing up. What it means is to be stable. You look at a toddler when it runs down the street, every mom is like this, because they're bouncing along and they look like they're going to go rear end over tea kettle any moment because they're unstable on their feet. I don't like to hold infants. I go visit people when they have their baby. They say, do you want to hold them? And I say, no, actually I don't. Why? Because when I pick them up, their head goes like this and I swear it's going to break off and roll across the room. And babies and kids, they just puke spontaneously. They poop whenever and wherever they want. When they're mad, they thrash around in discomfort. A mature body isn't like that. A mature body is composed. You have control over yourself, right? You're rooted. So we speak truth and we speak it in love. We're not tossed around by every wind of teaching, every fad that comes across uh, the theological landscape every 10 or 20 years or so. Because we can discern sound teaching, good teaching. We can even discern the sound of good teaching from that which just sounds good. Did you catch the difference? The sound of good teaching versus what sounds like good teaching. Now, okay, third point. That's the goal. Uh, so we have the goal. We have why we need this goal. Now, how do we achieve this goal? The goal is unity and maturity because there is false teaching that threatens us in our immaturity uh, and in our faithlessness. Well, let's look at verses 11 and 12. We're kind of working our way up the passage. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We do this through input and output. Paul describes four types of teachers, types of gifts that he's given the church here. He talks about apostles and prophets. These are, these are founder gifts. I talked a little bit about them uh, last time. The apostles, of course, here, Paul is talking about the actual apostles. He's talking about himself and the other apostles who were, uh, who were tasked by the Lord to give truth, okay? To give his truth so that the prophets who were the people who could apply that truth, could write them down. So the prophets, these are New Testament prophets, not Old Testament prophets. These are probably guys like Luke and Mark and Jude who wrote Scripture but weren't apostles themselves, okay? Paul, interestingly, he, does, he never tells you to judge the apostles, but he says, judge the teaching of the prophets. He says that in uh, 2 Corinthians. So anyhow, so you have those two. Those are founder gifts. I don't want to get into debate over whether they, they continue uh, to this day or not. That's not the main point. Then he talks about evangelists. Clearly, you can understand what an evangelist is, I hope. Someone who is gifted at sharing the gospel truth to unbelievers, making it make sense to them, making it compelling to them so that they put their trust in Jesus. And then he talks about pastors and teachers. Now, probably 
That is better translated pastor teacher, like pastor slash teacher. One office as opposed to many off, uh, two offices. He's talking there about permanent teachers. These are ones who don't travel. Guys like me. That's what he's talking about. But the point is, all of these gifts that he's given the church that, that Paul uses in Ephesians 4, they're all based upon word, the word. Word-based ministry. This is the input side, guys. The goal is achieved as you sit under the word. As you submit yourselves to Christ's teaching through his teachers, through his prophets, through the apostles, through evangelists, as you come to church and you listen to sermons and you hear the word proclaimed all throughout our liturgy, as you hear the word sung in our songs, as you take classes, as you uh, meet with one another in small groups or life groups and you read the Bible together, but, but also you got to read the Bible on your own. Because you see, it is ultimately the word that builds you up. You may leave the, the service today, maybe. You leave the service today and you say, oh, I felt very encouraged by Paul. No, you weren't. You were encouraged by the word. I'm just the mouthpiece. I'm just the communicator. I'm just the voice. But it's the word of God that ultimately does the work of building us up. That's why we say at Grace Valley, a core value of Grace Valley is this. The book. We value the book. The Bible is more than a record of humanity's quest for the divine. It's the divine's word to humanity. It's a living authority that applies to every area of our lives. Through the Bible, God reveals the gospel, which saves the lost and matures the saved. John Bunyan spent 12 years in jail. He had a copy of the Bible and he had a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs. That's all he had for 12 years that he could read. He basically memorized both, and that's the time during which he wrote Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison. And people said of John Bunyan, he was so knowledgeable about the Word of God that when you cut him, he bled Bible. And we see that in our Lord himself. When he is on the cross and he is dying for our sins, he's facing the infinite justice and wrath of God on sin. In that moment, when he's experiencing that on the cross, what does he cry out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what is that? Anybody know where that's from? Psalm 22. Jesus, in the moment of, of his desperation, he quotes the Bible. It just came out of him. So that's input. But then there's also output. In verse 12, it says that Christ gave all these, these gifts to equip his people for works of service. The reason you come to church is to be equipped. What? For works of service. You sit under the word for a reason. If you come to church and you get all this teaching but you don't volunteer, you don't minister, you don't help out, you don't, you don't pick up the work. You know what it's like? It's like a person who says, I want to get physically fit, but you don't want to do any exercise. All you want to do is take in the calories, right? So you get your protein shake, and you sit down on the couch, and you watch Netflix for a couple hours. What's going to happen over time? If you don't have the output with the input, what's going to happen over time? You're just going to be bloated. You're going to gain lots of weight, but you're not going to grow in being healthy. You have to balance the input with the output. Calories in, calories out, right? And so God says, you come to be strengthened, to be 
equipped to be empowered so that you can deploy your gifts in service. And it's in that way where all of us, I'll go, we'll end once again at verse 16. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit, Lord. Thank you for how we get to participate in each other's growth. Some of us are like, I don't know how to teach the Bible, uh, but I really know how to serve the poor. Well, it's as a person like that serves the poor that we are built up and become mature. It's not just through the teachers. It's not just through hearing the teachers, but it's through hearing the teachers and employing our gifts in service wherever you want us to that we mature and we become more united. Do this work in us, Father, that we might, we might reflect as a church and individually in our own personal lives. We might reflect the character of our Savior Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. Now, the, uh, the, the worship team is going to make their way forward once again. Uh, and as they do that, you do have an opportunity to ask a question or two, if you would like. We do have time for, for one or two questions uh, about the message. And if it's about spiritual gifts generally, about one of the messages that, that were preached uh, recently, feel free to ask away. It doesn't have to be directly related to today's message, although that would be good. No texts from the overflow. No texts from Europe. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay.